Love hearing the marching band. Jay Binkley here. It's called Rush the Field with Julio Sanchez producing. Where each week, we take a look at the local schools in mixing a little national talk as well. The usual cast of characters tonight. John Kurtz came in Manhattan talking everything Kansas State. Also has that Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. All about Kansas State. Good stuff. Then, Gary Pinkle to join us at about 8.30 and... Uh, Coach could be happy though, because coach, one thing coach has always wanted is Missouri in Kansas to start playing again. Then to round out the show, Josh Klingler, sideline reporter for the Kansas Jayhawks and co-host Fesco in the morning, right here on 610 Sports Radio. Starting off Kansas State, as you just heard the Chris Kleiman show a second ago, the uh, Kansas State head coach. It's been a great night for football. Danon Hughes, that players only show, that stuff's tremendous. Danon Hughes, Joe Mays, they had Tyler Palco in, followed by Chris Kleiman. Now we uh, lot of, like two hours of uh, college football can't beat that. Uh, Kansas State beats TCU twenty four to seventeen. And the one thing they needed this game. This is Skylar Thompson game. Skylar Thompson, you know, took Kansas State on ninety five yard drive. Not only that, James Gilbert had led Kansas State in rushing each and every week, except for this week. It was Skylar Thompson, sixty eight yards rushing, led the Wildcats by over thirty yards. He did it through the air. He did it with the leadership style. And you know, on the other sideline was Alex Delton the guy that he used to have to look over his shoulder at while he was at Kansas State. Now, Alex Dale, Delton was the starter at TCU. He's been replaced early on. I'm talking early on the season by Max Duggan, the true freshman quarterback at TCU. But Kansas State needed that win. And they need Skylar Thompson, who has been stepping up this year. Skylar Thompson's been impressive. He's really turned that leadership role and really nice job for Chris Kleiman. In Kansas State, though, it's a little bit like watching the Chiefs, you know, run defense versus pass defense. Kansas State this year is worse in rush defense. They give over 228 yards rushing to TCU. Now they have the best pass defense in the Big 12, hence a lot of people running on Kansas State instead of throwing. They get Oklahoma this weekend at 11 o'clock right here on 610 Sports Radio, a primetime game on ABC as well. Weird things happen. It was a good game with Baker Mayfield when he took uh, Oklahoma to Kansas State. Kansas State is about 24-point underdogs. To Oklahoma. I think it's a little bit too much on that line. I think Oklahoma gets the win, but I think they'll get their attention. You know, Oklahoma two weeks ago wins the Red River Showdown against Texas, and the rest is gravy. Lincoln Riley is going to have Oklahoma in the playoffs once again. Jalen Hurts' quarterback could win the Heisman Trophy, as Oklahoma could have three straight Heisman Trophy winners. But for Kansas State, it's about slowing things down because not only that, once Oklahoma's done, then it's a game they're all excited about. It's the Sunflower Showdown, which actually has some meaning on it two weeks from Saturday. So they got Oklahoma. Don't want to look too far. Yeah, you actually look at a Kansas. Look at that uh, performance they had against Texas. We'll get to Kansas in just a minute. But Les Miles trying to uh, you know earn some favor. He goes down to Texas. Great recruiting ground. Barely gets beat by Texas. But Kansas State, it's not easy. You know, Then they're at Texas, an angry Texas team that's trying to find themselves. After that Oklahoma loss, thought they'd be upset, pissed off to some extent. But no, they let Kansas go down there and hang 48 points on them in Austin. They got the win, but they can't feel good about that. Then it's a West Virginia team at home, K-State should beat. But then on the road against a pesky Texas Tech team, if they round things out at home against Iowa State, who's playing really good football as of late. Now, as far as the uh, Kansas Jayhawks, we mentioned what happened. 
26 points for the Longhorns, 24 for Kansas in the fourth quarter. Now, the one interesting part about this Kansas game is, and you always saw it if you're watching the Longhorn Network, which a lot of people don't have. I happen to have a Longhorn Network. I actually enjoyed this game. And if you have those score updates on your phone, you're getting one fast and furious. Fast and furious. It's 26 points for the Longhorns, 24 for Kansas just in the fourth quarter. We had a two-point conversion ran back by Texas. We had Kansas State, go, or excuse me, Kansas going for a two-point conversion. But it all comes down to an offensive coordinator uh, a shift that the Jayhawks had in the bye week. Brent Deerman, who was hired as an offensive analyst, who once worked as an analyst at Auburn. Here's a young guy that had a lot of pedigree coming in there, but he hadn't proven it yet at the Division I level. He was the head coach at NAIA Bethel in Tennessee last year. They averaged 55 points a game, highest in the nation. Regardless of NCAA, NAIA, didn't matter. Lost to Baker in the playoffs. But he's a young guy that's all about up-tempo. And the Jayhawks had talked about that from the linemen on about the up-tempo, running out on the field. The linemen were getting tired. But you know what? It showed up for Kansas. Because Kansas, even in a loss, I'm not a moral victory guy, but I'll have to give Kansas the moral victory at Texas. I don't like doing this, Julio, but you know what? You believed in them. And you know what? They showed up. And not only that, they didn't get the win. But who feel, who felt better about their team? Kansas or Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns? Let me put it this way. Tom Herman wasn't happy about what happened with Kansas. But Kansas had no defense in the game. Texas had no defense in the game. As a matter of fact, you look at the box score. Total yards. Texas 638 in this game. Kansas 569. Again, if I'm Kansas, I don't care. Why? This is what they've always wanted. This is what puts butts in the seats is a fun offense to watch. This is why when Mike Leach was a possibility at Kansas and people were doing the plane watch to see if Mike Leach was going to go to Lawrence. Never forget what was going on. But it was in that time where coaches were getting in trouble with uh, you know how they handled the student-athletes. Like Mangino got railroaded, in my opinion. Jim Levitt at South Florida, same thing, put his hands on a player. Mike Leach, the whole closet with Craig James whether you believe it happened or not. I tend to think Mike Leach is a funny dude that I really can't see him. I mean, he likes to have fun with people. Regardless, this is what they needed with him. This is what they were hoping for in David Beatty. David Beatty, he had the offensive mind. You know, Mike Evans at Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel. You know, when he was down there, he was the recruiting coordinator at A&M. But he knew offense. This is what Kansas needs. Just light the scoreboard up, have a little fun, and have a good offense, and people will come to see it. It's how Texas Tech did their philosophy. Never had a defense, but they were able to put people in the seats because the offense was explosive. Carter Stanley, never seen this guy play like this. 310 yards passing, four touchdowns. Carter Stanley, 65 yards rushing in the game. Carter Stanley hadn't done a bunch. Maybe he just took Brent Dearman, the new offensive coordinator, that offensive coordinator quarterback switch. But, again, Kansas, they've done this before. They went at Boston College on the road and really you know, turned a few heads when Kansas did that. You know, They lost to Coastal Carolina at home. Then they go out and beat Boston College on the road. Kansas needs to parlay this. And they have Texas Tech for homecoming at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Texas Tech at 3-14, and 14, trying to find their identity with Mike Wells. I'm looking forward to the Sunflower Showdown. Again, I have to temper my expectations. I'm actually excited about this game. Yes, Kansas State and Kansas. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. You know, it is a rivalry. It's not the rivalry that Missouri and Kansas is. Which, by the way, we'll talk to Gary Pinkle about this because I'm going to talk Missouri now. Missouri and Kansas are going to play basketball 
for six straight years starting next year. It starts in the Sprint Center. Missouri's always wanted that Kansas City presence. I think a lot of the Tiger fans here kind of feel left out. There's still a lot of Big 12 talk in Kansas City. You know, with the media days, the tournament, the Big 12 gets a lot of talk in Kansas City. And they still hold the Big 12 tournament in the Sprint Center, which happens to be in the state of Missouri, which has zero Big 12 teams, just an SEC team. They tried to get the SEC tournament there because they got an SEC team. So they wanted to go there and play. But six straight games, one at Sprint Center, then Lawrence, then Columbia, then Lawrence, then Columbia, then back to Kansas City, the Sprint Center. It opens things up for football. That's been the big talk. When is football coming uh, between these teams? Don't forget, Missouri just signed a deal with Arkansas. They'll play Arkansas Razorbacks next year, the manufactured rival for Missouri in the SEC. Although I will contend Georgia has been more of that uh, that rival for the Tigers. That's been the team they've wanted to beat. When they spearheaded with Gary Pinkle and finally went to the SEC title game, that's the road game they win at Georgia. It got everybody's attention. But the Missouri Tigers, rough, rough game. Look who they've beaten. They've beaten some decent teams, albeit not great teams. Their two losses are to Wyoming and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was a bad team. Don't let anybody sugarcoat it. Vanderbilt was a bad team. So bad that after the game, their head coach, Derek Mason, is probably going to be fired anyway. I would have fired him after this. Here's his press conference on the SEC Network. A lot of people want this job. So they think, but I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day, man, we grind. We grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodore's Aikman. Damn! Okay, it's ridiculous. He's been to two bowl games, both winning six games, and he got into the bowl game. They lost them both, by the way. Derek Mason anchors down. Come on. You beat Missouri. You didn't beat Alabama. I understand Missouri was ranked in this game. You did not beat Alabama. You did not beat Clemson. You did not beat Ohio State. You did not beat one Oklahoma. You did not beat one of the big – you beat Missouri. But you know what? Missouri sits at the top of the SEC still with one loss. Who's there with them? Georgia. Florida. Missouri plays at Georgia. It's a gut check game. Missouri had the comfort of five straight home games. Now they've had three straight road games in the SEC. They've got Florida back in Columbia. So it is still in front of them. What they do with it, I don't know. Still got the bull band. They can find themselves in the SEC title game and still have a bull band. Interesting stuff. Missouri Tigers against Kentucky uh, this Saturday. Coming up next, though, we go to Manhattan. and We talk to John Kurtz about Kansas State. Nice win for them, getting in the win column. See if they can parlay that against a very tough opponent in Oklahoma next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. turn our attention to the Kansas State Wildcats and John Kurtz, the program director at K-Man in Manhattan. But not only that, check out his Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. One of our most popular podcasts because a lot of K-State fans like to hear what John has to say, like I do as well. I tune into that as well. But uh, follow him on Twitter, at JL Kurtz. John, how are we doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing great, Jay. How about yourself? Hey, doing good, doing good. I enjoyed the uh, Kansas State game last week. I, you know what? Before I do that, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this as a neutral observer, all right? Kansas State, Missouri going to play again. I know it has nothing to do with the Wildcats, but as a fan of the old Big 12 and, you know, the, the rivalry between Kansas Kansas State, did that, did that uh, perk your ears up when you heard it? I would I would love to play Missouri. I am a huge proponent of that um, for K-State. It's interesting. 
Bruce Weber had a comment at uh, Big 12 Media Days. That was a Big 12 Basketball Media Day on, on yeah. Wednesday. And uh, he had a comment saying that he had been trying to work out a series with Missouri. And, and essentially, I think that, that is now tabled because of the Kansas-Missouri series, which is great. And I'm, I'm thrilled for Kansas and Missouri and for myself to be able to just as a fan selfishly watch those games. I miss it. I miss going to Mizzou. Honestly, I miss going to Boulder. Um, I miss going to Lincoln. I miss all of that stuff. So I, I would welcome it. Now, K-State and Missouri do have a football series scheduled out, but it's I'd have to check on the dates. It's, it's far out there, five, six, seven years away. Um, and Colorado, I believe, is on K-State's schedule as well. So I'm, I'm all for it. Whenever you can bring those two teams back together, I'm in on that. Yeah, and I know that uh, Bruce Weber talked about that during the exhibition time, that uh, remember Missouri and Kansas played each other in exhibition basketball that uh that uh Bruce Weber had, had talked to Conzo you know about maybe scheduling that game as well so they had been uh kind of ahead of the curve but Kansas State and Missouri to play I, I do believe that'll be in 2022 uh for the first one in that series um for Kansas it was, it was scheduled a couple years ago you know it was, yeah you're right I'm, I I just pulled it up here so yeah 2022 so you're right about four years away 2023 yeah, yeah 2023 20, will be at Mizzou yeah, I can't wait for that. It's going to be fun. But this past weekend, you know, Kansas State, we talked about the bye week and, you know, coming off a couple of losses for the Wildcats. Um, I was impressed at this game in several different directions. Uh, I thought Skylar Thompson uh, played well, showed good leadership. Uh, I thought the Kansas State uh, team did uh, – they didn't do so well in the rush game. But as far as uh, throwing the football and limiting Max Duggan to just 132 yards, 138 total yards passing by TCU – this game, though, to me, like Kansas State had to win this. We talked about this. But, it, you know, that nice 95-yard drive by uh, by Skylar Thompson as well, this game had a little thing, a few things to chew on. That, to me, is the story of the game. Yeah, the 95-yard drive that K-State had when they when they absolutely had to have it. Uh, for, for a number of reasons, I loved it. One, you, you did bring up Skylar Thompson and the job that he did on that drive with his legs in particular. He had a 61-yard run. He had a fourth and one uh, conversion by using his legs on a bootleg. That was a really tough play. And then, of course, he ran in the go-ahead touchdown there at that point that wound up being the game-winning touchdown. You know, I love that Skyler Thompson was able to respond and make those kind of plays. You also saw just a lot of great things coaching-wise. They, they really try to limit how much they use Skyler Thompson in the run game, and they try and keep it to, to third downs and just plays that they absolutely had to have. But they saved some bullets in the chamber, so to speak, for that. Uh, on that last drive and utilized him there. They also were having to do the same thing with Malik Knowles, K-State's best wide receiver, who played only four snaps in the first half. He played 17 in the second half, and that's because he's dealing with, he's got a knee issue along with uh, just a lingering, I believe it was thought to be a stress fracture in his foot. I'm not sure how much that is still bothering him, but now it's the theme. He was wearing the brace. They couldn't use him throughout the whole game, so they were patient with it. And on the final drive, Malik Knowles had two huge plays. One got them out of the shadow of their own goal line, even though it could have gone for more yards and he's been able to really fully cut. The other was a third and nine. He makes one of the biggest catches on the drive as a part of three third or fourth down conversions that they had on that last drive. And above all else, I just love the fact that they were aggressive. Chris Kleiman said he told his offensive coordinator, Courtney Messingham, to be aggressive on that last drive. And that extended to not just the play calling, but the fact that they went for it on fourth and one when they were well within field goal range. A game where there had only been 34 combined points scored, you would think conventional wisdom would tell you to kick the field goal. Chris Kleiman did not want that. He wanted to make sure he had a seven-point lead. The aggressiveness paid off. 
and I loved to see that out of him. And that drive uh, might be the biggest of the season, in all honesty. Yeah, Skylar Thompson was unbelievable. He did lead the Cats in rushing as well. Only 10 carries and put up 68 yards, led the, led the Cats in rushing by 30 yards. Important win for Kansas State there because Oklahoma sits on the horizon, and Oklahoma coming into Manhattan at 11 o'clock uh, this Saturday. And this is not a look ahead game because they play Kansas next week. I know they want to play at KU. It's it's you know it's tough. You're on the road against a team that's uh, feeling pretty confident themselves. Then of course Texas uh, at Texas the week after that. So not an easy stretch for the Wildcats. Any stretch of the imagination. But the Oklahoma Sooners come to town. I see some weird things that happen in college football. I understand momentum gets going, but at the Oklahoma Sooners this year, I don't know about you, but I've been blown away with Lincoln Riley and what he's doing with Jalen Hurts. It's crazy, and it's intimidating to watch and think about having them come into your building and and trying to slow them down. Uh, The interesting part about this stretch of the schedule with Oklahoma here is that I think if you ask fans, they are more concerned about next week because that game at Kansas really impacts things more for K-State on a local level, recruiting battles and such with less miles and just the bragging rights and the rivalry aspect of all of that, I think the fans are really looking forward to that game and worried about hey, making sure that you take care of business in that game and not having something catastrophic happen here against Oklahoma, get through the game healthy. I think the vibe I get from the players, maybe not necessarily the coaches, but the players, the players I think are more excited to play this game against Oklahoma right now just because it is a top-five team. They want to go out and make a statement. And in particular, some of K-State's younger players, they've been saying this week, this is why we came to K-State. We want to play big-time games and big-time teams like this. So it's tough to come up with a recipe that really has K-State in this game late. But I will say that last time Oklahoma was here in Manhattan in 2017, that was a one-possession game. It was back and forth. K-State definitely could have won that game, and that was with Baker Mayfield and uh, the Oklahoma team that wound up going to the Rose Bowl in the college football playoffs. So it, it has been done before when K-State had a similar sort of team uh, in a similar kind of spot here for Oklahoma. National TV, TV game on ABC. But, yes, weird, weird things do happen, John. I mean, we all remember Vince Young and the Texas Longhorns, you know, needing a fourth down run by Vince Young just to beat the, the Kansas Jayhawks on the road. I mean, and they won the national title that year. So weird things do happen, man. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. But yeah, Kansas State, I mean, this schedule, man, Oklahoma at Kansas, of course, it's a rivalry game. And then at Texas, um, it doesn't get easier either. West Virginia at home and at Texas Tech and uh, versus Iowa State. The clones are playing a lot better football as of late. It's not an easy schedule, not an easy stretch. That's why getting that W so important for the Wildcats. But uh I'm actually looking forward to Saturday, John. I mean, the Oklahoma Sooners, see what Kansas State can put together. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, I think it should be exciting to watch no matter what happens. Either K-State will be in the game or you do get a chance to watch Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley and one of the best offenses, frankly, college football has ever seen. I mean, probably the best offense in football period right now, especially with, with Patrick Mahomes on the show for the Chiefs. So there's that element to it, and I was actually surprised. I mean, I'll bring this up. I was surprised at the the Vegas line and where things started. I haven't checked it yet today, but it's about twenty three and a half, twenty three and a half, twenty four. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's it's too much in my opinion. Well, see, what's interesting to me is that it started at. I saw it open at nineteen and a half in a couple of places, and I would have thought that it would have started up more like 24-25. I was actually surprised at how low it opened, and I'm not at all surprised to see now that, that the line is, is bumping back up. When it opened, it was the second lowest line for Oklahoma 
so far this year in a game, uh, Texas being the only the only game that was closer according to Vegas. So I actually thought, you know, maybe there's there's some element of remembering that 2017 game or just thinking Oklahoma and an 11 a.m. kickoff on the road in a place that is not always the easiest place in the world to play. Maybe there's some value to Vegas for that right there. Um, but I, I've been very intrigued by what's been going on with uh, with our friends out of the desert as far as how they see this game. It's college football, man. You never know what's going to happen. Ask Wisconsin, Illinois. Ask Missouri yeah. and Vanderbilt. Ask uh, South Carolina and Georgia, that game. It's the unexplainable that happens. Denny Matthews once said, expect the unexpected when you're talking about baseball. But you never know until you play the game. But that's the beauty of college football, my friend. It is. And, and I think the, the, the thing that is tough about the matchup for K-State is that you know, the recipe theoretically would be, and this is what K-State did two years ago, it was Alex Delton playing quarterback, so it was a lot of running the ball, keeping it on the ground, controlling the clock. You brought up that Skylar Thompson led K-State in rushing last week. The traditional handed off to the running backs, ground and pound, ground game for K-State has not been very good, frankly, since Big 12 play started. They haven't had a lot of success running guys like James Gilbert, Jordan Brown, who was their number two running back, has been hurt. I, I think it's iffy as to whether or not he comes back this week against Oklahoma. So even though you would think that would be the strength of this team, they actually haven't really developed that sort of an identity in Big 12 play, and it was... Tyler Thompson with his legs and some key passes that, that won the game against TCU. So I, you know, this Oklahoma defense is playing so much better. I, I struggled to see K-State be able to run the ball well enough to keep Oklahoma's offense off the field. So I think it will. It'll take uh, some special teams, big plays, uh, a key turnover to maybe a defensive score, something like that uh, for K-State to really, truly have a chance. Not only that, but that rush defense as well. They give up 228, 228 yards on the ground at TCU. Kansas State ninth. Out of 10 teams in the Big 12 with that rushing defense. Uh, seen that a lot here with the pro football team in town, the Kansas City Chiefs, but showing up that rush defense uh, for Kansas State will certainly be helpful, especially on this stretch. Yeah, no, Oklahoma, I tell you what, they have a great running game. I mean, I think you, obviously, everybody knows Jalen Hurts can run the ball, but man, you throw Hurts, who's their leading rusher, into the mix. Then they have three running backs who are all averaging over seven yards per carry. They each have at least 39 plus carries on the season. They really run the ball. Like Lincoln Riley's offense, you think about throwing it, certainly they can do that too. CeeDee Lamb is just obscenely good as a college-wide receiver right now. But I know the focus of Chris Kleiman and K-State is stopping the run first. It's a pick-your-poison. If you load up on the run, you're going to leave CeeDee Lamb open to do some big things down the field. But I think K-State wants to try to take the run away as much as they can first and let's see what happens beyond that. So you're right. They're, they're very aware of, of how much they have struggled against the run, and I mean, that showed up heck with Max Duggan, who's not near the athlete that Jalen Hurts is going to be coming into town on Saturday. Yeah, Oklahoma brings some problems. Number two in rushing offense in the Big 12, about 273 yards a game, and they throw for 336 yards a game. Number one in the throw, number two in the run, so they can do it all. John Kurtz, check out his podcast, Faithful to Our Colors, on the 435 Podcast Network. Follow him on Twitter, at JL Kurtz. He's our Kansas State insider. Uh, thanks a lot, John. appreciate the time. Absolutely, anytime, Jay. There you go, John Kurtz, right there, K-Man in Manhattan, as he joins me each and every week talking about this game. You know, here's the thing about Chris Kleiman. He's not afraid of anybody. When he's in North Dakota State, they'd play the big dogs. 1AA, they'd play Iowa State. They'd play Kansas. They'd play whoever. Don't forget, Carson Wentz came out of there. and He recruited Kansas City area very well. I'm looking forward to some head-to-head battles with less miles. But Oklahoma, they can do everything. Anything they want, they can do it.
second rushing in the Big 12. 273, almost 274 yards rushing per game. Are you going to make him throw? Almost 340 yards per game. Leads the Big 12. So they're number one in the pass in the Big 12. Second in the run, and CeeDee Lamb is ridiculous. Jalen Hurts playing out of his mind. Uh, they could have three straight Heisman Trophy winners. Obviously, there's some others. Um, Justin Fields with two. Two is injured right now for Alabama. First time Nick Saban's ever had a starter hurt. He's hurt at Alabama in his 13 years there. Uh, but there's a Jonathan Taylor, the running back of Wisconsin. Bad loss for them. They lose to Illinois this week. So we'll see where he ends up. Coming up next, though, I talked to Gary Pinkle. And uh, we, we start talking. We talked. I want, I want to know what his thoughts on this rivalry being renewed. Gary Pinkle has made no bones about it. He wants MU to play KU. We'll hear from Gary next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Welcome back to Rush the Field. It's time to talk Missouri Tigers with the all-time winningest coach at Missouri and Toledo. He's also got a great book out. Check it out, GaryPinkle.com, GPMade.com, The 100-Yard Journey with Dave Matter in the forward by Nick Saban. Coach, uh, good evening. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Coach, before we get into uh, the Missouri Tigers and uh, you know playing the Vanderbilt game last week, but this week it was shocking news. I'm sitting there doing my, my show at night. I've always wanted to see MU and KU play each other. Uh, two two universities that there's that sports hate. I believe there's that sports love, and eventually I think they both needed each other. And Missouri's been trying to get this thing done. Uh, both sides come together. Uh, Kansas has agreed to play Missouri six times in basketball, starting at Sprint Center next year, then games in Lawrence and Columbia until the final one, Sprint Center. They they said they have plans on expanding this. And they, they both ADs, uh, Jeff Long at Kansas and Jim Sterk at Missouri, talked about a football game in the future. Of course, football games are a little tougher to schedule than basketball. But, Coach, uh, initial thoughts when you saw this come through, that Missouri and Kansas together again. Yeah, well, I, you know, my approach has been the whole time that I, I couldn't understand why we wouldn't do it. First of all, financially, uh, uh, excellent for both teams. And then all all, all our fans, both sides, want wanted to go. So, anyway, they got through all that stuff. I think it's a really good design that they have. You know, there's a home and a ways and a couple in, in Kansas City. Um, and those will be great environments. Uh, and there's no question the football is right behind it here. That's going to happen. And uh, it'll be interesting. You know, the timing timing's a lot different scheduling. Uh, so that, that, that was not quite as easy to get it going. But uh, hopefully they're going to get it going. And I, I don't know if they're going to do some home and a ways. They're going to do... You know, several straight games in the in, in Kansas City, but uh, it's great. It's a great rivalry. You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's when I got here. It's hard, it's hard to believe that this rivalry can be as good as it is. And, and when at times some of our football teams on both sides were not very good, but at the end of the day, that was um, just one of the great rivalries in the country. And it's back. And, and you know, both athletic directors got together probably and, and got this thing going. And uh, certainly, it's a it's a it's a really a big win for all K, KU and Mizzou fans. Yeah, I'll, I'll give credit. You know, give credit to Jeff Long at a KU. You know, he comes in as a football guy. I mean, college football playoff committee. He understands the value of football, and he understands rivalries being important. I mean, here we are, Missouri and Kansas, right on the border, talking about you know playing since 1907, coach over 100 years, and you know you think about the sports and all the direction it goes. But the rivalries is what it comes down to in college football, coach. It's about you know sitting there and watching Penn State and Michigan and the, everybody wearing the white shirts. I mean, that's 
College football is about passion. College sports is about passion. College basketball. Imagine if Duke and in North Carolina, that game is so big. I mean, people get into the rivalries. And I'll tell you, Coach, I know Missouri's always wanted to do it. Um, I'm glad Kansas, who has stepped out on a limb and played Nebraska, they've played Colorado, they've played these other teams that left, came the cooler heads. And I've always said this, Coach, you know, Missouri had an opportunity to go to the SEC. Not many people pass on that opportunity. I don't believe KU would have passed on that opportunity had they been given it. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I, it, to me, it's, it was ridiculous. It's almost like, you know, little kids, well, you, you're not going to play with us anymore, so we're not going to ever, ever play with you again. You know, like, like we're ten year olds, and it was almost that ridiculous um, because of all the things I just mentioned before. Uh, so it's a, it's a great rivalry. I'm, I'm excited for everybody, and uh, it's going to be one of those things that uh, when once it gets going, uh, it'll, it'll be just a really awesome environment in, at both places. We're in Kansas City. Um, whenever we play the football or basketball. I know football's not here yet, but you know it's going to be coming. Coach, you and I talked back when they did the exhibition. You know, Missouri and Kansas agreed to play at Sprint Center uh, for hurricane relief, I believe it was for. That thing sold out. This town was a buzz about just an exhibition game. So, yeah, they'll be in, into it again. But Missouri, 6-2 and two all time at Arrowhead Stadium. You were a part of that. I know Missouri likes to, to play in Kansas City. A ton of fans, of course, uh, around this area. They agreed to play Arkansas. Next year at Arrowhead Stadium. Then there's this mutually agreed Power Five opponent between 21 and 2024 that they've agreed on. That could be Kansas, or maybe not. Maybe they just go ahead and get a Kansas game in anyway. But clearly, there's an open date right there. So we already think there's one open date here. But uh, you know, it'd kind of be cool if they did it like they did basketball. Coach play a couple at Arrowhead, and then uh, of course give the uh, college communities like Columbia and Lawrence give them a game too. Yeah, I think they probably will. I mean, they might. Uh, I, I don't really care. I mean, all, all you know, the, Kansas City's a great environment and big, big time environment, and, and the fans just absolutely love it. Um, and but I, you know, however, if all I know, we're going to be playing. It's going to be great. I would suggest, from a football standpoint, that we we that we first get the if you can get the first two three weeks in the season would be the best, in my opinion. Sure. Because both teams are going to have you know the you know, good records or okay records, and uh, you know you're not sitting there maybe if one of the teams in you know ten weeks in the season that's only won two games, and that would hinder it a little bit, which is my opinion. So we'll see what happens, but uh, it's a great day for for our fans. No question about it. I mean the fans the fans wanted it and they got it. I mean the fans they, they want to see this this game played. But as far as the Missouri Tigers last week, coach, we talked about the five home games and they had to go on the road and go on the road in conference. And, you know, really, conference games are conference games. Any, anything can happen in college football, regardless. But everything can definitely happen when it comes to conference games. I think a few teams have been shocked or upset in conference. Um, it just happens at times. Missouri was on quite a roll, stumbles a little bit at Vanderbilt. Still, though, everything's still ahead of the Tigers as far as the SEC. Yeah, and, and and that's one of the things about the SEC. I mean, we have it's a it's a even our teams that aren't real strong are pretty darn strong. So uh, you can't you can't go in and, and just think it's going to you know, it's going to work out everything in our in our way. And I know uh, the coaches and players are real upset about it. And you know, lessons learned here. And you know, uh, it's got they got to move on. At the end of the day, there's a point you got to move on. And uh, the most important thing is to get back on track this week. And and uh, uh, it's none of these games going to be easy. I don't care what the records of these teams are. None of these games are going to be easy as we go here in, in the last half of the season. 
You know, everybody sees tough games. Missouri handled South Carolina. They only had 16 yards rushing. South Carolina goes in, beats a very good Georgia team. But Florida, Missouri, and Georgia, each with one loss. However, they get to play each other. Missouri still gets to play the Florida Gators at home. They have to go on the road at Georgia. So at the end of the day, yes, it's a loss, and you never want to lose a game. But in the end, Coach, it's still, when you look at the standings, it's still right in front of you. So that's... That's how you have to put it behind you. I mean, how many days did you put bad losses? You didn't have very many, but how many days did you say, all right, got to focus on the next opponent? Well, I, you know, and I never went in and after a situation, you know, that they're in right now. I, would, I never went to the team and said, okay, listen, we still have everything ahead of us. I don't really care about what's ahead of us. I care about winning the next game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's like the that's like the rallying cry. Who cares about after that? You know, you, know, you take care of your business, and you've got a chance that, you know, great things to happen as the season goes on. Well, if we don't get back on track this week, so that's the approach I'm sure they're taking, and um, you know, hopefully we'll we're going to play well. But you know, every every way we play now is, is pretty good, and um, even if the records aren't good, just because the league's so tough. No, no question. Missouri at uh, Kentucky, six thirty uh, this weekend, and and coach, uh, final thing for you here. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. I don't want you to get into specifics of Pat Mahomes. Everybody knows it's it's the biggest story in Kansas City, obviously, the knee and the franchise quarterback. But it's it's about the situation, you know, protecting players from themselves. The player that will go out there and play with a broken hand, a broken leg, it doesn't matter. That could maybe do harm to them if they played. How tough is that telling a player, you can't play, son, you can't go out there and play? I know you want to because every coach dreams of having guys like that or that are willing to do anything and everything. How difficult is it sometimes to kind of cool somebody's jets and say, no, nah, man, we need you to sit out a couple of weeks? Well, I think, first of all, you know, the, the greater the competitor, generally the guy that, you know, they're going to do everything they can get back as fast as they can, everything they can, they can do. And so I think that's, you know, I think Patrick Holmes is an incredible young player, person, everything. I mean, he's competitor. He's got so much going for him. So excited, so disappointed that this happened. But at the end of the day, you know, I never, ever, ever went down to an our athletic director, our doctor, excuse me, our, our doctors, or our trainers. I never went. I never went to those people and said, "Okay, let's we gotta get this guy ready to play." Hey, gotta get ready. I never did that one time in all the years I coached. Uh, medical staff makes those decisions. Players don't make that decision. Coaches don't make that decision. Certainly. Um, the medical staff does, and medical staff gets information from the from the from the player of the church, Patrick. Right now, they're they're going to they're going to know everything. They're going to have they're going to be able to look at you know all the different uh, things they do medically to um, X-rays and so and such. Uh, but at the end of the day, the medical staff's got to stamp it and say yes, you can go out and play, and and, and you can play well enough to protect yourself. Uh, and and then obviously the players got to feel the same thing. So. I think that's how it's going to play down. I think that's good. You know, we don't, we, the player can't, you know, talk himself into, into uh, being allowed to play. Medical staff does what's best for the health of that player. And, uh, and I just hope he gets back as fast as he can, you know, because he's such a great kid and such a great player for the future and now. And, um, we'll see what happens. That's our weekly conversation with Coach Gary Pinkle from Missouri. Coach, I, I thought about you immediately when this news came down. Because I've talked to you through the years about Missouri and Kansas. Like, there's going to be one guy happy right there. One guy is happy because well, we've talked about this uh, throughout the time. But uh, check out Coach's book, The 100-Yard Journey. Go to gpmade.com, garypingle.com. Right there, there's a link right to there, his foundation, the good stuff that he does. And, of course, you can buy his book 
as well. If you're looking to get something uh, for Christmas, the 100-yard journey, life and coaching and battling for the win uh, with Dave Matter and that forward uh, by Nick Saban. Coach, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad I got to talk to you about this Missouri-Kansas rivalry getting renewed because, as I said, look at the you chuckle, man. You, you are so excited about this game. I love it. Yeah, you know, I was, I was, you know, I kind of made fun of Kansas a little bit that they would not play the game like, you know, like maturity level here. You know, we're adults here. Let's let's forget that we went to the SEC and and you're still in the Big Twelve and still let's play the, one of the great rivalries in the history of college football. So it's a great, it's you know, good heads on both sides making good decisions. And it's going to be uh, super beneficial to the to all the fans and and and, and it's back uh, and, and to continue this this awesome rivalry that we've had. You know what, Coach? Maybe, maybe next, maybe sometime, I'll talk to you about Notre Dame joining a conference, and then you'll uh, you'll just be a happy man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. One. <laughs> well, you never know, Coach. You never know. Uh, good things that do happen from time to time, Coach. Uh, all the best to you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, go Chiefs, go go Mizzou. Bye. Thanks, Coach. Coach Gary Pinkle, right there. It, yeah, he loves to uh, he loves to chide. He's even said maturity issue. Got to stop chiding Kansas. And by the way, get him talking about Notre Dame. Like he wants them in a conference. Like he's one of many that way. He, he he's like Gary's not shy about his opinions. That's the one thing I like about Gary Pinkle. He's a retired Gary people. He's golfing, goes around and speaks. He's at ease now. He's just relaxing. He's chilling. Coming up next, do I talk to Josh Klingler, who was horns down in Austin, Texas last weekend? Kling next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Kansas Jayhawks with the one, the only, Josh Klingler, co-host Fesco in the morning, 558, Monday through Friday, also the Nutmeg Podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Kling, what an interesting game. What's funny is Kansas loses at Texas. They might feel better about themselves than Texas, who actually won the game. Oh, it was absolutely the case. It was it was funny going to both uh, news conferences after the game, big because uh, while uh, Les Miles was disappointed they lost. He acknowledged they did a, a lot of things. The offensive players were ecstatic to think, hey, we finally held up our end of the bargain. And then uh, after I was done with that, I went back upstairs to the press box, and the, the Texas press conference was going, and, and for a second straight week, <laughs> um, he's fielding questions about what happened. This time, a win. Uh, the week before was against Oklahoma, right? Had to deal with all those questions about Oklahoma. And Tom Herman this time has got to deal with, how'd you get up 48 to Kansas? So, um, yeah, it was definitely a different field. Texas got the win. Kansas got the loss. But uh, Kansas felt pretty good about it. And, uh, and Texas is probably scratching their heads looking for answers, especially defensively. Yeah, it's one of those things, too. I, I felt that Texas would be an angry team. I thought the Kansas could be walking in facing an angry team that lost their rivalry game against Oklahoma the week before. But if I'm Kansas... I'm excited about that because that happened in the state of Texas, and that's important. Now, I, I watched on the Longhorn Network up here. I actually have the Longhorn Network, and a lot of people don't have the Longhorn Network. But in Texas, a lot of places, they do have that. It's significant. But here's the thing, Kling. We talked about him a lot last week. And you know I've been high on this guy, and he hadn't accomplished anything, but that's how I roll. Brent Dearman, the new offensive coordinator. I put my faith in this guy. I said, I like this guy. I like his up-tempo. You know what? Kansas responded. Carter Stanley responded. 310 yards Four touchdowns, not only that, but 65 yards rushing. And we're not even to Puka yet. We're talking about Carter Stanley, the quarterback, played his best game at Kansas. Brent Deerman, the offensive coordinator, it did make a difference. Wow, it was quite a debut, right? I mean, because that could very easily just come out and look exactly the same as it did the week before. 
and you're just dealing with a lot of hype about a, a, a new coordinator into a new position. But um, his energy is contagious. Um, obviously, he's very good at kind of uh, in a short amount of time, really, kind of scheming some things to work against uh, Texas. And I think that the confidence and the belief, to me, were, were as big as anything that I, I saw that they took out of this game. This offense felt confident. Carter Stanley even said this week, I felt like it was going to score every possession. And uh, they can't. They can't have said that at any point in time with any belief beforehand um, because uh, this is an offense struggle really for a couple of years to put together any kind of points that makes it look like a Big 12 team. Um, you know, getting shootouts, that's the Big 12, right? And they were actually in the shootout for once. So that was certainly encouraging. Now can they build upon it? And I think the big key is, okay, it was nice to be in the game like that. How do you win a game now? That's, that's the next step they're going to take and then continue to build off what they did offensively. Nine different receivers touched the football. Uh, Puka Williams had a huge game out of the backfield. Carter Stanley, I thought, played one of his uh, tougher games that he has played. Um, really dealt with a lot of uh, a lot of blitzing, a lot of on-rushing defenders, and, and weathered it uh, terrific. Um, so offensively great, defensively needed some work. And then obviously they lost the game in the special teams uh, the other day, which was the, the most disappointing portion of that entire thing. Really the game comes down to a, a blocked PAT that's run back the other way, a three-point swing and a two-point loss. Um, that stands out as big. Well, I watched the game, but I also have that score app. I mean, it was nonstop. That fourth quarter, you kidding me, Kling? 26 points for the Longhorns, 24 for uh, Kansas. I, I haven't seen a quarter like that in a long time. It was back and forth. It was Kansas going for two. It looked like they were going to win the game. I mean, rarely have I – and they gave up – Kansas gave up 639 yards to Texas. They still moved the ball. They just couldn't stop Kansas. But I'm telling you, Kling, that fourth quarter – might has been a, well. I mean, unless you're a defensive fan, which I am, but I did it. I like arena football. This is arena football. That fourth quarter. I don't think I've ever seen a quarter like that. Not a Kansas quarter like that, right? No. I've seen no. Other crazy Big Twelve games that have gone that direction. Yeah, Texas Tech or somebody else. Yeah, Kansas has not been a part of them, which is good. It's like kind of almost like welcome to the Big Twelve. I thought they played defensively, you know, better in in some uh, some games in previous years. You said, wow, if they can only get some offense, the defense can keep them in it. I never thought that they had an offense to the level of score with a lot of teams, and, and last week was the first step in that. So I think it's a, that's a positive sign. Now can you build on it? With Texas Tech coming in uh, this week, this was a game on the calendar that you circled as you're going to have a chance, another uh, first-year head coach, another program that's uh, undergoing some changes and finding its identity. This is one that's been circled that you feel like Kansas has got to get. Kansas has got to get one of the next two. Texas Tech or, or Kansas State in order to feel like they're on an upward tick and really tell their fans that they're on an upward tick. So uh, next few weeks, pretty telling for the Jayhawks. Yeah, I talked to John Kurtz just a little bit ago that covers uh, Kansas State, of course, for us. And he says a lot of fans, you know, kind of they have Oklahoma this weekend. We're kind of looking ahead to that Kansas game. That Kansas game means something to Kansas State, the whole the new coaches, the recruiting battle. And I you know, you know, Kansas probably has that eye on Kansas State too, but Texas Tech, you're right, they're kinda of looking for that identity under Wells, uh, their head coach. But they played decent. You know, a couple weeks ago they take the undefeated Baylor Bears down to the wire thirty three to thirty. Uh a ten point loss uh to Iowa State who's playing really good football right now. But they but they still uh, they still provide a, a decent competition. I mean Texas Tech is three and four uh, but like Kansas, I think a team trying to find their identity. However, I like Kansas's identity a little bit better right now with the uh, Deerman. And the one thing about it, too, is Kansas, four and a half point. They're not getting the respect, Julio, not getting the respect at this point, but that comes in time. The respect comes. The respect comes in bunches. But as I do each and every week, 
my top three games. Grab your popcorn. I've been abiding by this. I've been popcorn. I've been ordering the pizza. I've been drinking the beer, right? I practice what I preach. You know, good college football. Well, we got some good college football. Starting at 11 o'clock, number 13, Wisconsin, who choked against Illinois. I was trumpeting this team. The, the fact that they were 4.8 yards against, four shutouts. What happened? What happened, Wisconsin? You have the best running back in the country, Jonathan Taylor. They're at uh, Ohio State, 11 a.m. on Fox. Can't wait for this one. Justin Fields, the quarterback. Chase Young, my favorite defensive player. Ohio State's fun to watch. Then at 2.30, number nine, Auburn, one loss at number two, LSU. Down in Death Valley, 2.30, CBS. And then the nightcap. This one's for you, Big Pete, loyal listener of the show. Pete Sweeney's dead. And I've always said I like him better than Pete. Number eight, Notre Dame. And number 19, Michigan. 6.30. A, B, C. That's my top three games for this weekend. We'll get a little more in the Heisman. I kind of want to wait a little bit for the Heisman. when Because uh, we're going to have the playoffs coming up here in November uh, with the playoff rankings. So we'll get into that. Plus the Heisman. Thanks to John Kurtz. Make sure you check out his podcast, Faithful to Our Colors, on the 435 Podcast Network. Actually, we have all, like Sean Levine does the Mass Street Podcast for Kansas. And uh, and Brandon Kiley, True Sun Podcast for Missouri. Great content, 435 Podcast Network. Thanks to Coach, the all-time winningest leader at the University of Missouri in Toledo, Gary Pinkle. And, of course, thanks to Josh Klingner. Also, huge thanks to Julio Sanchez. I'll see you guys tomorrow night at 6. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley.